This is Daylight Magazine coming to you from Adventist World Radio Ghana, the voice of hope. Today's Daylight Magazine has segments designed with you in mind. Stay tuned and be blessed. Christ was born while shepherds were watching their silent flocks by night behold throughout the heavens there shone a holy light go tell it on the tell on the mountain over and everywhere Go tell it on the Tell it on the mountain That Jesus Christ was born Down in a lowly manger The humble Christ was born And brought us God's salvation That blessed Christmas morn Welcome to today's Reflections. Today's Thought Nuggets is titled, The Time to Trust. The Time to Trust. When should we trust God? It's not when hope's flag is high in the sky, but when many bow their heads and groan, why? The darkest hour is the time for unwavering trust. That is why the Apostle Paul trusted at such a time in shipwreck, he said, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope for being saved. This can be found in Acts 27, verse 20. But then he went on to say, Keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God. Verse 25. The time to trust God is not when life is calm and sings its psalm, is when the storms rage and our song is but a lisping cry. The prophet Habakkuk says, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, 
Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. For more nuggets by Dr. Pippin, please visit eaglesonline.org and click on weekly thought nuggets. My name is Margaret Abebrese, the presenter. Thank you once again for listening. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Note down this quotation and read afterwards. That is Psalm 139. Read from chapter 1 to the last verse. The verse 1 to 24. Examine yourself. Sometimes our sins can block answers to prayer. Let the prayer of the psalmist be one of yours. Search me, O God, and know my thoughts. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. Remember, God is all-seeing, all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere present. God knows us. God is with us. And His greatest gift is to allow us to know Him. He is ready to set you. Examine yourself. And if you cannot find anything, ask God to set yourself. And then, ask Him for forgiveness so that your prayers will be answered. God bless you. I am Belle Dollarville. once again with the daily devotional series. I am your regular host Sandra Ahia and with me here is our own elder Osei Kweku. Please are welcome. Thank you very much. Today's lesson is captioned, Let him who boasts. And in Jeremiah chapter 9, the prophet began his lamentation because he saw the inevitable catastrophe coming to his country and people. God pronounced judgment over Jerusalem and when God says something, he does it. What they would face wasn't something fortuitous. 
not just one of those terrible, inexplicable things that happen from time to time. No, what they would face was going to be the direct judgment of God. And it was this realization that was causing Jeremiah such sorrow. His sorrow, though, was only a small reflection of the pain that God must have felt. Though the context is different, this quote captures the idea so well. The cross is a revelation to our dull senses of the pain that, from its very inception, sin has brought to the heart of God. Every departure from the right, every deed of cruelty, every failure of humanity to reach his ideal brings grief to him. When there came upon Israel the calamities that were the sure result of separation from God, subjugation by their enemies, cruelty and death, it is said that his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. In all their affliction he was afflicted, and he bare them, and carried them all the days of old. This recorded in Judges chapter 10 verse 16 and Isaiah chapter 63 verse 9 by our mother Ellen Jean White in Education page 263. Please take us through the lesson. Alright, our lesson today primarily focuses on Jeremiah chapter 9. I think we'll do a lot of reading. Before, Jeremiah admonishes the people to look at the ideal and that which God desires for them. He, first of all, take up this lament. Take up the lament because he sees what is coming to the people. He sees the calamity that is coming. Point that, and it's so devastating. It's going to be so devastating that they weren't even going to, nobody was going to even, even going to bury the other because death was just coming everywhere. But one of the verses says that death has entered through the windows. We're taking it up from verse 1. Jeremiah says, Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears. I would weep day and night for the slain of my people. The slain had not started yet, but he foresaw it. So he realized that the, the disobedience of the people, the hard-heartedness was going to lead them to that. And he said, he continued from uh, verse 3, talking about why these things are going to come upon them. The latter part of verse 2 says, oh, this is going to come because the people are all adulterers, a crowd of unfaithful people. Verse 3 says, they make ready their tongue like a bow to shoot lies. It is not by truth that they triumph in the land. They go from one sin to another. They do not acknowledge me, declares the Lord. Beware of your friends. Do not trust your brothers. For every brother is a deceiver and every friend a slanderer. Five said, friends deceive friends and no one speaks the truth. They have taught their tongues to lie. They weary themselves of sinning. You live in the midst of deception. In their deceit, they refuse to acknowledge me, declares the Lord. The Lord was so devastated. Every, continually they are sinning. This brings to mind what was happening in the days of Noah. He said the imagination of the heart of man was evil continually. Verse 3 continues. Verse 7 continues. Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty says. See, I will refine the test for them. For what else? Can I do because of the sin of my people? Even at this time, the Lord is still acknowledging that they are his people. He shows the depth of love and calamity that is coming. He doesn't want them to go in. But he's been warning them. And what are they doing to Jeremiah? Rather, they are attacking him all the time. Their tongue is a deadly arrow, verse 8. He speaks with deceit. With the mouth, they speak cordiality. But in his heart, he sets a trap. And it goes on even today. Somebody will come to you, smile with you and talk so nicely. But in his heart, he really he's saying the me. opposite. Should I not punish them for this? Declares the Lord. Should I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? And that goes for also modern day man, Christians and non-Christians alike. If we persist in this same way, the results will be the same. 
for us. So that's, that's a lesson for us. Jeremiah takes up the, the lament again. I will weep and wail for the mountains and take up a lament concerning the desert pastures. They are desolate and untraveled and the lowing of cattle is not heard. He foresees that is what is going to come. That the place is going to be ruined. The animals are going to overtake them. They're going to be scattered. I will make Jerusalem a heap of ruins. A hunt of jackals. I will lay waste the towns of Judah so that no one can live there. And that is why he's taking up this lament. He's lamenting. This is what is coming. Please repent and follow after the Lord. What man is wise it was enough to understand this? Who has the Lord instructed? It's like the people are drunk with sin. They don't want to listen. Okay, so the Lord says, The Lord said, It is because they have forsaken my law, which I have said before them. They have not obeyed me or followed my law. That is why the calamity is going to come. Instead, they follow the stubbornness of their heart. They have followed the bowels as their fathers taught them. 15. Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. See, I will make these people eat bitter food and drink poison water. I will scatter them among nations that neither, neither they nor their fathers have known. And I will pursue them with sword until I have destroyed them. And this is what Jeremiah sees coming. And he's warning the people, warning the people, and they are not listening. This is what the Lord Almighty says in verse 17. Consider now, call for the wailing woman to come. Send forth the most careful of them. Let them come quickly and wail over us till our eyes overflow with tears and water streams from our eyelids. That sound of wailing is heard from Zion. How ruined we are. How great is our shame. We must leave our land because our houses are in ruin. And all this because of their persistence in sin, in disobedience, in idolatry. Verse 21 said, Death has climbed in through our windows and have entered our fortresses. It has cut off the children from the streets and the young men from the public square. And this is what again Jeremiah sees coming and is warning the people to desist from their evil ways. And friend, that is what is going to come. Because at the end of the day when Jesus comes in his glory the second time and takes away his people, everyone else is going to be destroyed. We read in the New Testament, Paul tells us that all the wicked are going to be slain by the brightness of his coming. And so the world is going to be desolate and ruined. The things that we are boasting of our buildings and our cars and our technology, they will just be useless then. So we had better seek the Lord. 22 says, Say, this is what the Lord declares. The dead bodies of men will lie refuge, like refuse on the open field, like cut grass behind a reaper with no one to gather them. And Jeremiah sees all these things. And actually he came to pass. Amen. Let him who boasts is what we're looking at. And as we read in Jeremiah chapter 9, we saw a whole lot of calamities that was befallen the people. But then Jesus Christ was ever ready to receive them. Upon this note, our elder will give us his last word. What I want to end with is that it is a very valuable experience to have the Lord, to, to know the Lord. To appreciate the fact that the Lord is with you. He being the source of all life and strength. Therefore, it is more valuable than any other. Whether it be riches or power or influence or knowledge. When we have the Lord, we have everything. Because every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of light above God himself. So he should be our focus and our foundation. So that all these things that he's endowed us with would rather be used to his glory and be a blessing to our fellow men. Amen. Amen. Dear friend, we have listened to the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and I believe we will indeed change from our sinful ways. But before we can do this, we need to seek the face of God, and I believe he is ever ready to listen to us. May the good Lord bless you.
any enquiries or contribution, you can contact us on plus two three three two four four six seven three five two eight or plus two three three two four four two three five zero one seven or email us at radio at vvu.edu.gh or through the postal address Adventist World Radio Ghana P.O. Box AF 595 Adenta Greater Accra Region Ghana We will expect your feedback. Good day, friend, and welcome to the Moment of Truth. Today we are beginning a lecture series which I have captioned, Hope for the Sport Clay. Hope for the Sport Clay. Come with me, if you will, to the book of Jeremiah, and uh, we will be reading um, six verses from Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1 to 6. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the porter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my voice. Then I went down to the porter's house, and behold, he worked a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was mired in the hand of the porter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the porter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this porter? saith the Lord. Behold, as the clay is in the porter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Our message today is captioned, Hope for the Sport Clay. You know, God uses many images to describe his relationship to his children. From the Bible, we see that he uses the image or the image of a shepherd and his sheep. As a matter of fact, God is referred to as our good shepherd. He is referred to as the chief shepherd and, of course, the great shepherd. And we are the sheep of his pasture. 
He also uses the image or the imagery of a, a husband and a wife. We are told that Christ is the husband and we are the bride, referring to the church. Okay, so this analogy of the bride and her husband is emblematic of Jesus Christ and his relationship to the church. We also see that God refers to himself as the father and we are his children. We are his children. In fact, the Lord's prayer begins with our father who art in heaven. So God is our father and we are his children. The Bible says we don't have any more the spirit of fear, but we have the spirit of adoption by which we can say Abba, Father. So God is our father and we are his children. All of these are wonderful illustrations that teach us many valuable lessons about life, ourselves and our Lord. However, while we like sheep are protected and provided for by the shepherd, and as a wife, we are loved with our condition by the husband. And like children, we are constantly under the father's loving wash care. There is another aspect of his love that needs to be factored into the equation. And this aspect is that he is the porter and we are the clay. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 64 verse 8, We are the clay. You are the porter. We are the work of your hands. So we are to God the clay and God is the porter. The text under consideration, my friend, actually looks at an important passage from Jeremiah chapter 18. Where God wants to preach a particular message. He wants to give a message to Jeremiah the prophet. And instead of speaking to him as he had done in previous times in the precincts of the temple or perhaps in the temple court, he decides to speak to him in a different locality. God has spoken to Moses in the temple. He has spoken to the priest of Israel in the, the holy place and to the high priest in the most holy place. God has spoken to several of his people in the church. But he decides to speak to Jeremiah this time through an illustration we he or say a drama which he performed at the porter's house. He tells him to go to the porter's house. In fact, he says, go down to the porter's house. That means that the porter's house was perhaps down and the temple area was up. And so Jeremiah goes down to the porter's house and he sees this man working on his clay. And as he factions the clay, the clay gets mad. What is God trying to teach us here? Let's just look at a brief historical antecedent to the passage. This was a time when Israel had deviated from the counsel of God, I would say Israel had apostatized. Israel had uh, broken the precepts of God. Remember, they had made a covenant with the Lord in Exodus, which was sealed with blood. And because of the covenant that they had made with God, they had become to God what a clay is to the porter. Rebellion or a breaking of this covenant would warrant their death or their disposing. God would have disposed of them because they rejected his precepts and his counsel, having made a covenant with him. Instead of rejecting them, instead of disposing of them, God decides to remake the clay that was broken. With this brief background, we will look at the six verses in Jeremiah chapter 18 on the following topic. The portal and his mission, the portal and his ministry, the portal and his message. Let's look at the porter and his mission from verses 1 to 3. The porter's intention, first of all. 
The potter has a singular purpose. He plans to take clay from nowhere and produce vessels. He wants to make vessels that will reap a profit, that will be found useful, and that will bring honor unto him. The pieces he manufactures are intended to be used by him and by others. So he goes down to the ground and he takes the clay and he comes to fraction it, to make good things out of that clay. This is God's intention as well, my friend. He excels in taking old worthless clay and transforming it by his grace into vessels of honor and glory. He takes those things that are of the most of coring of all things, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, and turns them into vessels of honor, Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 1 to 19. Let's look at the condition of the clay as it is found. Clay as it is found in the ground is not suitable for use. It is dug out of the ground and brought to the vicinity of the pottery and allowed to weather for weak. The dry material is then dumped into a cement-lined tank or wooden trod and covered with water. When the lumps have softened, they are stirred into water until all have disintegrated into a thin, slimy mud which you call a slip. This is what actually is brought to make that thing you call the vessels of honor or the vessels that are made. We'll continue in our next lecture on how the clay is made, where it is taken from. Until then, may the Lord bless and guide and keep you as you keep the lively hope alive. My name is Gemini G. Gete. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for staying with us. Once again, you can reach us on plus two three three two four four six seven three five two eight or plus two three three two four four two three five zero one seven or email us at radio at vvu dot edu dot gh or through the postal address Adventist World Radio Ghana PO Box AF five nine five. Adenta Greater Accra Region, Ghana. We will expect your feedback. I believe today's magazine has been a blessing. May the good Lord's hand be in your life. Amen. Remember to tune in same time tomorrow. Bye for now. <laughs>